Hey, it's Andrew Marcus here. You're listening to Frequency. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Frequency Podcast. I'm joined by Joe Brookhouse yet again, and this is awesome. We finally get to sit down and talk together. It's been a while, Joe. Yeah, I, I can't remember the last time you and I got to sit down and record. Wait, no, I do remember. It was um, when I was on site at Christian Musician Summit and we recorded the uh, Stacy Furness episode. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I was extremely jealous because you were in a place I wanted to be. I just couldn't afford the time or the money to get there at the time. Well, we know that that's going to be remedied next year. So I'm looking forward to that. Amen. And for those who don't know, we've known each other for years now and we've never met physically. Yeah. So, and, um, and, and 2016 will be the year that we stop saying that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm looking forward to the potential to, I shouldn't say potential. We are going to get together uh, and we are hoping to, uh, to make it fun as well when we do that. So uh, we'll have to make it a good event and somewhere that uh, we can interact with as many people as possible. Yeah. Well, I, I think anybody who's listening, if you have any ideas uh, about where uh, Dan and I should meet for, in terms of a conference or event that uh, would give us the opportunity not just to hang out, but uh, to connect with different artists, let us know, you know, because we, uh, we hear about different events, but... Um, that doesn't necessarily mean we're out searching specifically for which one should it be. Yeah. I'm always interested in other options. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, I'm excited because I finally got to watch the Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad was, you did. <laughs> I was so excited. And it's so hard because I don't want to see anything to do with it because I knew there'd be spoilers. And I wasn't disappointed in the film. Um, I did find, and maybe we should put a spoiler alert on this, Um but I did find that uh, there were things I expected and things I didn't expect. Were there yeah. any shockers from your perspective? Um, nothing I would say is that was really shocking. I, I would say, you know, the, the, the heritage of Kylo Ren wasn't something that um, I was prepared for, but it didn't like shock me. It was just like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, and uh, and I'm not going to share that with folks, but mm -hmm. um, but I, I will say that after I saw the movie, and I saw it on the Saturday, so two days after it came out, I was so desperate for a friend to see the show so that I could talk to them about it. But I also wanted <laughs> to be uh, respectful of the fact that I didn't want to spoil the movie watching experience for them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad you did spoil it for me. I'm glad I was able to just take it in. I was I was um, surprised at how much involvement some of the old actors were um, yes. and, how, and others that weren't. Yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I'll leave it at that. I don't want this to be a spoiler episode. Um, I was I was also happy with some of the line of jokes that happened throughout. Um, some of the sort of throwbacks, if you were, yeah. um, to earlier episodes. There were some great, great Easter eggs in there for people who were paying attention. Yes. Uh, and for a lot of us who are familiar with the movies or who took the time to watch the earlier films, 
in preparation for this one, it was just like, oh, yeah. Oh, you know, just one right <laughs> after the other. It was fun. Yeah. And I watched it in 3D. I'm not sure if you did. I did not. No. Okay. Uh, 3D was good uh, because back in the day, you know, the technology being what it was with, with robotics and animatronics and all that kind of stuff, um, and literally like foam, um, it was interesting to to see how, although they did use, and this isn't a spoiler, they did use the same methods for some of it. Um, having the ships go across in 5.1 surround and um, having the 3D view was cool for the space portions. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it, it, there was some nice throwback uh, elements to that in terms of, and I know that they did this intentionally, where they went back to some more, let's say, organic um, approaches from a, uh, a technical perspective and special effects that I think helped uh, counterbalance the, how Lucas just went over the top um, when he was filming the, the prequels. You know, I went back and watched those and my wife and I, you know, I think our eye muscles got sore from them rolling so frequently uh, as we saw. Why are they using digital, you know, uh, the digital effects here? I mean, that's yeah. ridiculous. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, like the fact that all the clones were digitized. It's like, uh, guys, just put people in the stormtrooper suits like you did before, you know, yeah. unless you're too cheap to buy a uniform. But, but what I really appreciated about that fact is, it, it, you know, from an artistic perspective, it, it's a reminder that um, just because there's a new gadget or there's a new technology or whatever doesn't mean that that's all of a sudden going to make you a good artist. You know, yeah. it's, it may enable you if you already have skills and you're able to leverage that technology or whatever that tool is. Um, but otherwise, if, um, you know, if, if you're creating garbage and i'm sure nobody who's listening is creating garbage but if you're creating garbage <laughs> then uh then you're all you're doing is you know you're you're putting a glossy sheen on your garbage i don't know yeah what do you think about that no no i agree it's it's i was actually reading on the pro tools expert uh facebook page today and in it they shared um one artist's perspective on the five tools he he added to his arsenal this year and one of them was studio live version three <laughs> on a pro tools blog. So oh, there you go. And he said, I don't care if you disagree with me. It's, this isn't about whether I'm right or not. It's about what works for me. So <clears throat> I know guys like recordingrevolution.com, for example. Um, and, uh, he, he uses, um, pro tools. I think it's 10 or nine. Oh yeah. I, I have pro tools eight which is an M audio version. Yeah. And I don't have a need to upgrade it. Um, but I also use studio live. Like you mean studio one or sorry, sorry, studio one. Yeah. Studio oh, okay. live is the mixing board I use. Yeah. At church, yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. Studio one. And it depends on who you are. If you're a singer songwriter, you, you may end up using logic and love it. Yeah. I find, I find it's just so much like garage band. I feel I feel unprofessional, but that's, that's silly though, because it's still a tool and it still makes music. So I'm trying to break out of that mold of, of the look and feel yeah, and, uh, and be more about, um, what, what is the end result? Because for example, I use a software in graphics called Microsoft picture it. 
Yeah. And it came out in 1999 uh-huh. and then they, and they did a second version, 2000 version, and then they stopped and they turned it into something else. They, they split it into pieces and I still have the 2000 version and it, it does collages and graphics and layers and it's super easy and I still use it to the point where I have to force my windows computer to open it up in an administrator mode because it's, it's considered a piece of crap software now, (laughs) even by Microsoft standards. So, but I still use it and I still get web graphics done with it. And, you know, it's, you know, but people would cringe if they knew that some of the graphics I've done are on Microsoft picture it from 15 years ago. Well, and that's the thing is how the sausage was made is not as important as, is the final product. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we can all be guilty of a bit of snobbery when it comes to, you know, when we know that we're using, you know, great technology, great tools and stuff. And then somebody creates something magnificent and you go, what did you use? And you find out, oh, it's GarageBand and, yeah. you know, uh, a USB microphone in my closet, you know, um, which was Stacy Frenis with her book, you know. I spent all this time getting myself set up with my audiobook narration set up, and then she records a fantastic book in her closet with a USB mic in GarageBand. So, <laughs> you know, it's yep. very humbling, but it also tells you, you know, great art is going to come out um, regardless of the tool set. You know, I think that's yeah. cool. Yeah, and actually, my my son's doing EDM dubstep dance music on the 2006 iMac that we have with the original version of GarageBand on it. And the dude is like arpeggiating and doing frequency shifts and um, sine wave overdubs and all this stuff that I don't even bother with. And he's got MIDI figured out and he's at the point where he's so advanced beyond it. He wants to upgrade it. And I'm like, dude, like just get good music out there. Don't worry about what the next tool is do do better stuff with what you've got and then make money doing it and then that'll pay for the next step yeah because i almost feel like he thinks it won't be good enough unless he uses logic yeah. and i don't i don't think that pardon the pun it's a logical way of looking at it right my first single that came out on itunes was done in GarageBand, and i just shipped it off to a guy for mastering and yeah. i just gave him the stems so it's still audio. So, yeah, I think um, even when you look at the way the music industry is, you know, banjos made a comeback. Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, they made them sound fine. And I'm not a big banjo guy, but they're making money and they're doing it. And we're getting back to the roots, you know, out of tune guitars. And, and um, yeah, I'm, even when you listen to Switchfoot, for example, they just don't care. They do what music they want to do. And I appreciate that. You know, yeah. they've got, they've got like crunchy. And again, they come from the, the whole Seattle music grunge scene. Um, and that makes sense. Uh, well, they're from San Diego. I know, but the, yeah, that yeah. whole West coast sound, right? Like yeah. <clears throat> um, Kurt Cobain, the whole bit, but people like it and they're passionate and they're doing it well. And uh, you really can't knock it. And, uh, yeah, I think we've almost, even in CCM music, we've sort of quote unquote sanitized our, our sound, right? Yeah. Three minutes and 15 seconds, the chorus hits in 35 seconds or less. Um, it's, you know, you, you just want people to, it to be memorable, 
but memorable sometimes will drive you nuts too. So what is it that we're going for? So, <clears throat> so a shout out to all the artists out there that are doing different things. We think you're awesome. <laughs> yes, we love you. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at, we've been talking for 12 minutes and, uh, which is just a, a demonstration of the fact that you and I don't get to talk as much as we should when we're doing <laughs> our episodes. Yes. Um, but we should transition into our, uh, our interview because it's, it's a, not only a good one, but it's a long one. Plus, um, I also want to say happy new year because we're recording this on new year's Eve and we'll be publishing it in the next couple of days. So mm-hmm. 2016 is coming. We could do a whole episode on what the new year is going to bring. But we're yep. not going to. We're, we're <laughs> <laughs> yep, we're going to eat food and be merry. That's right. In fact, um, it's two thirty-eight uh, in uh, Portland, Oregon, right now, and I've I'm supposed to be out raking leaves right now to prepare for guests who are coming over, and then I have to bake a bunt cake, and that has to start by four. So I'm on a very strict <laughs> schedule as appointed by my wife, and um, but yeah, I, you know, it's it's hard because I'm talking to my buddy Dan, um, <laughs> and well, it's six thirty-nine here, and it's and we've got tons of snow on the ground, and I just shoveled snow. Yeah, I mean, different sides of the world. You can have all the snow you want. I, um, <laughs> I'll take a dusting, and that's enough for me. But uh, there you go. No, that's good. And uh, so the next episode, or sorry, not the next episode. Our our interview is with uh, Katie Gustafson, and that's right. uh, you talked to Katie Gustafson. Um, but this is a different interview, right? It's not. Um, she is an artist, but that's not what the interview is about. Well, no, it's a little, but it's definitely about being an artist, but um, really more of um, uh, being a servant to artists, if if that's the right way to put it. Katie, it took us forever, by the way, to get it coordinated for her and I to talk. And we had some um, uh, missteps in terms of uh, showing up and not showing up and uh, on Skype. Uh, But when we got talking, it's like you couldn't get us to stop talking. But Mm. to the to the point, um, Katie is a a counselor. She. in a from a mental health perspective and so we interviewed her to talk about artist self-care and and what that means and it seemed uh, especially appropriate to release this just as we're coming out of the holidays and going into the long dark you know winter months where you don't have much to look forward to um, we really yeah, want you get to... credit card bills, bills coming in too. Oh, good Lord. Yes. Father. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be knowing about that shortly. So, um, all the more reason to, to focus a bit on the idea of self care, what that means. And it's just a great conversation. Katie is great. She's funny. Um, and it's just something that I think all of you should listen to, even if you don't know her name. Listen to it. You're going to enjoy it. You'll get something out of it. And then share it with an artist as well. Um, it's one of the few episodes that my wife is actually looking forward to listening to. And she stopped listening on episode three. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as uh, a challenge. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, let's dive right into the interview with Joe Brookhouse and Katie Gustafson. Hey, good day, everybody. This is Joe over at Frequency, and we're going to sit down today and uh, chat with, uh, can I call you a young lady? Is that fair? That's great. I hope I'm a young lady. (laughs) We're going to chat with a a young lady out of Nashville, uh, Katie Gustafson. If her name sounds familiar, she had an EP out a couple of years ago uh, with Integrity, but she's a singer-songwriter in the Nashville area. But 
primarily we wanted to bring Katie on because she, uh, she functions as a therapist in the Nashville area. And we really wanted to talk on this topic of um, self-care a little bit for you as artists, but also to understand more about what Katie does, what therapy is. I'm kind of setting the agenda here before we even start, but uh, there's certain things I want to talk about. But Katie, welcome uh, welcome to the podcast. It's good Thanks. to have you here. Thanks. Now, you're, we just talked about, before you came online, we've been talking for almost a half an hour without pushing record yet, <laughs> which is perfect. We've talked about a lot of different things, but maybe uh, before we get too far down the road, could you just take a couple minutes and tell us about who you are, maybe a little bit about your journey? Um, I, like you said and introduced, I am a therapist in Nashville. I'm also a songwriter and um, an artist. And my family, we grew up in Alabama, Mobile, Alabama. And my dad, I'm, I've been very influenced by my, my parents, but my dad was one of the founders of Integrity Music and... Yes, it started in Mobile, Alabama, Yes, like all those years ago. And so he and my mom have just been really involved in worship on the speaking side of that as well as the you know writing side of that. And um, so always just had music in our home, which influenced me greatly, and always had just, just this idea of, of worship and relationship with God on my radar growing up, which I'm very grateful for. Um, we made the move to Nashville as a family in uh, 96, so almost 20 years ago. Wow. And I pursued music a little bit more, you know, went to college and graduated, did school stuff, and then and really had just a, a real desire to, I wasn't just okay pursuing music, alone I've always been fascinated with mental health and um, and wellness and emotional wellness and healing and things like that and definitely partly due to my own experience with depression and anxiety along the years um, and so have just been benefited so have benefited so much from therapists and in, in my own along the way and my journey as well as spiritual directors and, and things of that nature. And so it's, it's just, I've, I've just always had a desire to pursue that alongside music. So fast forward, here we are in 2015, and I'm so grateful to be involved in both and doing both, um, you know, practicing as a therapist in Nashville, as well as, as really getting to write and record and, and tax a lot of those creative passions that I have had. So that's me. Now I see there's a guitar hanging on the wall right behind your head there. Is that, yeah. a, is that a dobro that I see back there? It is. There you go. That's shining in the sun. So people beautiful. who are listening, there's beautiful guitar back there. Yeah. I, I don't play that one, um, but I, I play around with it. <laughs> okay. Well, I can't play dobro. I just, but I appreciate it. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it, I don't know, it's just totally different, but it is really, really fun. I love that. So for people who are listening, there is a beautiful guitar in the background that you can't see and we aren't, we aren't going to share with you, but uh, <laughs> that speaks a bit to, to my ADD. You know, we're talking uh, mental Shiny health. things. Yes, squirrels and shiny things. Yeah, uh, pull, pull me away. Um, I think that's probably something that's uh, common among creatives anyway. But I'm sure. Uh, but uh, anyway, so you, what, what brought me to your attention, uh, you know, a few years ago, I remember with your EP coming out, I was uh, aware of that and listened to your EP. 
But then um, not too long ago, I guess six, five, six weeks ago, um, you redesigned your website and you were out promoting that, I think. Yeah. Now, was this when you were first, is this, uh, you, you've been fun- functioning as a, a therapist, but for six years now, but you were talking about licensing. So are you? Yes. So due to my split interest, um, one-sided being very, you know, writing and music and recording heavy, and then the other really pursuing uh, this this practice of therapy and it's taken me, and due to the nature of my intense procrastination, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I, I, I've kind of let, uh, I've let the whole licensure, so you have to get licensed to right. be a therapist. And my, uh, my certification uh, would be LPC, which is Licensed Professional Counselor in Tennessee. So it involves all this, you know, ton, like a, a lot of hours just worth of experience and face-to-face hours with clients, on top of that, um, supervision and uh, lots of testing, things like that. So um, I am finally, tomorrow actually, I will take my last big licensure exam, which I've been cramming for for over a month, and I am not, I'm not a great test taker, so I've been, <laughs> that's been really my main focus for a while. So I will be finished with really the hard part of all the licensure and I just have to send in some paperwork and get that piece of paper um, to put on my wall finally. So, yes, I've been practicing for six years um, in Nashville. Um, four and a half of those have been heavy private practice. And then the licensure process has kind of trickled throughout. <laughs> so, right. so here we are. And tomorrow's a big day. So I hope I have good news for you after my test at 11:30. <laughs> so, so when we're done, either you, you you're going to tweet about it, you're going to Skype, or wh- whatever we need to do to figure out what happened and when we share. I know. This, yeah, it, we'll have to we'll have to do in a little addendum. Right, to- and and we're we're praying for Katie and her disappointment and uh, or <laughs> <laughs> something. So hopefully something yeah. not along those lines. Yeah. Right. And I'm sorry, I think I did not answer fully your last question about the website. I did launch that website, and I've never had a website ever for my practice. Okay. Thankfully, God has just really blessed me with with clients along the way, and so it's been not something that's high on my priority list. And then finally, you know, friends of mine and people were just like, "You really do need to kind of do this thing and get a website out there." And so. My um, one of my dear friends, um, Josh Rogers, who it plays bass actually for All Sons and Daughters. Oh, okay. He's in Nashville, and um, he and his wife are dear friends of mine. And he's a brilliant web designer. And he and his um, actually his sister-in-law, she did the branding and the logo design for me. So our team together, uh, we just built this thing, and I'm really proud of it. Uh, so yes, that is I have been really trying to promote that, and and just. You know, it's been a labor of love because I've never really had to define who I was mm-hmm. and what my theor- theoretical approach to therapy is. I've never had to put that all down in one place, you know, and it's, it's right. kind of like bearing your soul. You know, it's kind of like writing a book or something. You just, you, you've got to really live with it and, you know, massage it so it's right. And uh, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's very rewarding. So... That's out there, and I'm very proud of it and excited about it. So, I love yes. the logo. The logo is fantastic. Well, Meg Schlabs is amazing. She did that for me, and um, yes, I was really happy with it. I'm super excited about it. I was excited to see that part of your journey 
and as you're making that transition into um, into therapy, and one of the things you know for people who are listening who aren't aware, my wife started her journey into becoming uh, an LPC uh, in January of this year, actually a couple of years before, but she just started school. And so mm-hmm. I am in deep with this stuff uh, as, a, as a spouse, yeah. but also as a creative, um, I've been convicted lately just of the need, the need for self-care, the need to take care of ourselves. We just can't, um, there's too much self-medication going on, whether it's uh, the things, our habits or or just the, the choices we make about how we spend our time. And, um, I yeah. noticed on, on your site, you know, you, you're, that you promote yourself and I assume this is accurate, but as a, as a, a counselor who is, does focus, um, on artists mm-hmm. and maybe, uh, we could just start this part of the conversation with, tell me what it means to you that differentiates perhaps between, um, how you would a- approach an artist from a therapy perspective and somebody with a different occupation. Yes, that is a really good question, and I, I, I would have to say, um, I think a lot of a lot of artists in general um, are just very very sensitive, and they want to be um, cared for well. You know, they they, um, they their person is kind of their product. You know, they're very they're very. Uh, very much attached to their gift and they're very identified by their craft and, um, and, and their writing. And, and I, I take that very, very seriously. And I think one of the things that just is very important in working with creatives and artists is, um, is really drawing that out of them, really just creating a safe space um, for them to be just fully who they are and all in all the glorious quirkiness, you know? And, um, and I think just being able to relate, um, being able to relate to someone who has gone through the struggle of rejection and writer's block and, um, just so many fears. Um, and really, I mean, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of thought, you know, if you think about it as writers or as artists, you know, so much of our work originates in our head. It originates with thoughts, which can be a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Because if we allow it to fester, you know, if we don't, I've heard, I heard this on, somebody said this, and I'm going to totally botch it, not say it as beautifully, but they said our, our, our minds are, are the birthplace of thoughts. They are not it's cage, you know, they're not the cage. So we're not, when we have thoughts, when we have ideas, you know, we've got to get those out. We've got to get those out on paper. We've got to go pick up a guitar, go get a voice memo of it, as opposed to letting it just sit there and ruminate. Cause what artists are really great at is really ruminating. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big believer that, um, our feelings and our behaviors are very, very much, um, they, they begin with our thought process. I mean, I think that's even in Proverbs. I can't quote it. But, you know, it's just our thoughts are so powerful. Yeah. And especially as creatives, when our, our thoughts and our ideas are a big part of who we are and what we do, handling our ideas and handling how we approach those thoughts and have relationships with those thoughts is of, of utmost, utmost importance. 
Um, and so, not that that's totally different from a non-creative. Um, I mean, I think we're all very creative. I think there's, you know, just so many, so many manifestations of creativity. But I think it's a div division between the artistic personality um, and, you know, more of the, you know, not the artistic. So I have a lot of clients who are researchers or, you know, um, work in sales or have less of that creative expression tied to what they do. Um, and, you know, they are equally, can be equally as sensitive. I'm not saying that only artists are super sensitive. And, but there's just a different approach. I think on some levels, you know, and, you know, some people would call it whatever you want, left brain, right brain. Um, but that left brain is more, um, they, they need a little bit uh, more of a clinical approach, you know, right. as opposed to the, the creative, artistic, relational approach. I don't know if that answers your question. It's something that I continue to work through because I get, I'm so comfortable and I love working with artists but I learned so much from all different spectrums. And so um, it's something that I have to really go in there and say, what is the absolute best care I can give this person? And really get to know and join and build rapport so that you understand how this person ticks and what's going to be the best treatment for them moving forward. Right. Um, you wouldn't want to say, um, here's, my, uh, here's the recipe or the, or the calculation that, uh, everybody's going to be filtered through right? because that would uh, cease to acknowledge people as individuals. Um, right. But you have to come in. I heard a few different things from you there with the, uh, recognizing that um, the artist, uh, the product in many ways is very personal uh, mm -hmm. because it, you know, it, because it comes out of our own brains. Uh, if I was a salesperson, like you mentioned, I, I may be vested in the product that I'm selling, but a rejection of that product isn't necessarily a rejection of me. I may right. choose to process it that way, but it's not necessarily that way. And then you give the fact that, in general, we as creatives tend to be more empathetic and more sensitive mm. when when we when there is a rejection. Then we're going to we're going to right. feel that more acutely. And then you pile on top of it. I'm in Nashville, and there's so many creatives here, and the, my opportunity to be rejected has increased you know, a hundredfold. Right. And it just seems like, wow, you, you, the, the number of wounded people walking around Nashville mm. is, must be an incredible number. And I'm not saying that mm. as a, boy, there's a bunch of screwed up people in Nashville, but, you know, the fact that we have to be so connected to our product and then we get rejected. Mm. Right. Set, uh, that, that's just got to be an enormous challenge and something that you have to be, not to overload it, but to be, be very right. sensitive to. Well, and as you're, as you're talking, so many, yes, that <laughs> you absolutely summed it up. I think it's funny because I think a lot of times artists need to be a little bit more detached from, in a healthy way, yeah. detached from their emotions and understanding that what your work is important, but at the end of the day, 90% of it is we just show up and be true to who we are and what our craft is and, and where we're going, you know, right. whereas with people that are not artists, they have this uncanny ability sometimes to very much, um, they're, they're, they already are typically maybe a little bit less attached to their emotions. 
So artists tend to, again, these are all stereotypes and there's exceptions to every rule, but typically artists, I know in my own journey, I will let my emotions drive me around in the driver's seat all day long and feel totally powerless. You know, so there's a health level of detachment that must go along with that scenario. Whereas, you know, someone who is uh, just much more um, practically, practically minded and, and things of that nature, they, they may need to, to really deepen their relationship with their emotions or understand their emotions a little bit better or access those in a healthy way. So it's, it's just, those are kind of two sides of the spectrum that I think, you know, are both extremely important. And it's just really, I mean, I think just the whole, the whole field of psychotherapy is really how, how we relate to ourselves and how we relate to our emotions, how we understand those in order to really live life to the fullest yeah. as, as, and, and, and not let the, not feeling powerless to our emotions, which, you know, I think is very easy to do, especially when we get stuck in our head. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to become, um, fixated on certain emotions that just don't serve us well. Yeah. Uh, you know, as you're talking, I can think about a hundred different things I want to talk about. And I'm thinking about all the things that we're supposed to be talking about. So no, uh, it's good. It's good. I, I started thinking about Myers-Briggs. Oh, and totally. What are you? I bet, I bet I know what you are. Go for it. You're going to you get one of them wrong. You're going to get one INFP? wrong. You got the one wrong that I knew you'd get wrong. I'm an INFP. You're INFP? Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah. So people, but I'm very much in the middle on the I and the E, but, um, the reason I'm an I is when I recharge, it's alone. Okay. That's when I go for a run. That's when I recharge. That's where I get healthy. And if I don't get that time, you can ask my wife. That's when I start to get crabby, short with people, um, uh, overly sensitive. Mm-hmm. So, folks, as you're listening, you know, as we're talking through this stuff, Myers-Briggs, if you haven't done a Myers-Briggs test, take some time. And do something like that and understand, kind of look at the results and, and understand a little bit about what that may say about you. And it doesn't define you, but um, in my day job, one of the things they have us do is they, they, we took the Myers-Briggs and we share that with folks. So we kind of understand a little bit how to interact with each other. My boss is an ESTJ. I mean, we are oh. 100% okay. complimentary, <laughs> right? Yeah. But we work very well together because the things that that he tackles well are very, he, he handles confrontation much better than I do, uh, at least in, in a different way than I do. But I'll be working with a client and they'll say, we don't want to work with Jeff. We think he's a jerk. And yeah. by the way, Jeff's a huge supporter of frequency. So Jeff, we nice. love you. We love you, Jeff. Um, <laughs> but uh, we've had clients say we want to talk, work with Joe just because he can be more sensitive to our yeah. clients and, and um, connects with people better. And I, I'm a consultant and a project manager by trade, which is yeah. not what an I, INFP should be doing. Just throwing right. that out there. <laughs> well, it's funny. What's, so what's your wife? She is um, an ISTJ. Okay. So almost the complete opposite of me as well. Yeah. But not what you'd necessarily, at least not what I would think of uh, when, uh, from a, uh, like a counseling perspective. But, yes. um, but she does very well. Guys who are listening, for, forgive the departure here, but this is, to me, this is, this is my show. You guys can deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, because she's very good at compartmentalizing, and I think you almost used that word or something similar earlier, she has the right. ability to say, I'm going to set this aside because it doesn't apply 
to this situation. So yeah. I don't need to, to deal with that. Oh, so, so nice. when you talk about products, you know, um, and how maybe as artists, we can do a better job of setting, um, separating ourselves from our products a little better. You know, I waited tables at the end of the day, I took nothing home mm-hmm. with me because, you know, hopefully I did a good job. But uh, mm-hmm. when I was done, I had delivered my product in terms of my services. And then I wasn't, I didn't think about it anymore. Yeah. But as artists, it would be nice if, if we could do a better job of saying, I've written the song, the song is what it is. I'm going to set it out there. It's going to be what it's going to be, but I'm letting go of my product and I don't need to define myself by the success or failure of that product. But we don't do that very well. It's so true. Oh man. You know, I would encourage you to take another test that I use a lot with actually every client that I have. I, um, I give them homework to take the Enneagram. Yes, I love it. Have you taken that? Uh, yeah, yeah. What are you? I'm a two with a, I can't remember if it's a one wing or a three wing. I'm trying to remember. With, uh, with a three wing. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. So you're the need to be needed, mm-hmm. the helper, yeah. the achiever wing. Yep. So the Enneagram nice. is great. Yeah. So to, I maybe, like it. I like it a lot. I love using that with artists because it's it's so creative. It's so... It's so dynamic too. I feel I feel like artists hate to be boxed in, you know. Absolutely. And that's one thing the Myers Briggs sort of does. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for that um, mm-hmm. screening, but the Enneagram is is really it's just a beautiful tool because it it's very dynamic and it's it's very based on how how we operate out of our our strongest need, and there's nine different needs, and so. You know, and it looks like here's the the healthy version of me, and here's the unhealthy version of me. It's it's a great indicator of, you know, when the pendulum swings, when you, when the stress is building, and disintegration happens. This is what I look like. Mm-hmm. You know, so everyone everyone who knows me, they know I'm operating out of stress right now, as opposed to integration, basically. And and yes. I just love it. It's it's so it's so fascinating. Now the enneagram. Um... Is that something that you feel like you should uh, should be a facilitated by uh, with a professional, or is that something you can do by yourself? You know, I'm sure there's a lot of merit to having a facilitator, but I've only ever encouraged people to take it on their own, just because it's so easy, and um, I think it's fairly accurate. Uh, even just taking the what is it like 40 minute test online? So okay. yes, enneagraminstitute.com. It's amazing. Take the full length test. I think it's twelve bucks, but worth every penny. And read up on it. It's it's just got some really good. Anyone I've ever given it to, they come into my office and they're like, "Oh my gosh!" Like they just read my mail on all levels, you know. Yeah. Like it's and it's helpful in relationship too because we we can know how others are operating, like what they're operating out of, you know, if they're if they're needing to show I'm a four, which is the need to, it's the individualist that need yeah. to be special or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and my friends that know the Enneagram, they, if I, if I'm getting really moody and self-conscious and stressed out, you know, they get that because they're like, Oh yeah, that's she, her. There's a need that's not being met. You know, right. she's not, she's not pouring into this need for self-expression or creativity and she's not connecting with herself. So we need to encourage her that way. So it's really kind of cool. I love it. See, I thought I was going to be a four when I took the test. 
And oh, really? Yeah. And then when I came out at two, I stopped and went, yeah, that makes sense because what, uh, the unhealthy helper. Um, it looks like a four. Uh, yeah. Very similar. But I see it like in my sister, who's also the number two, the helper. And like, oh, she took too much on. Now she's throwing it all away. She's resentful of everybody. And I'm like, because that's the way that I get. Totally. You need me now. And now you annoy me because I'm overwhelmed because yeah. I spread myself too thin. So, oh, yeah. So, guys, Enneagram is great. I will spell it for you. I will put the link on the <laughs> website. It's worth 12 bucks. It really is. It's something my wife did and I've done. And it helps us have a, a, a conversation. This is something we did five or six years ago. Yeah. And it still applies, well, still resonates with us. So, well, let's, let's keep going. Cause okay, uh, again, sorry. I think, we're, we're just getting no, into all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, I know. Don't apologize. Like I said, I could do this all day. My, if my wife were here, we would never stop. Oh gosh. <laughs> that would be fun though. Yeah. Well, we'll get her on at some point. She, yeah. she, she doesn't listen to my podcast. What's wrong with her? Um, <laughs> So uh, one of the things I wanted to ask was what therapy models you employ, and this can be very quick, and then maybe explain what a what a model is. You you refer to them on your website, but some folks may not mm-hmm. be familiar with that terminology. Yeah, that's that's important. Um, you know, I'd, when you were asking that question, I was thinking about architecture. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just it's like it's like a, a, t- a style of architecture. You know, what's going to suit your taste, or what's gonna what's gonna facilitate your lifestyle? You know, would modern would um, craftsmen, you know, colonial. Um, so a model of therapy is, is essentially just uh, a, a, tr- a mode of treat, a model of treatment that I use with a client that I think would be the most helpful. So um, there's all kinds of different models, you know, there's person-centered, um, Rogerian, um, psychodynamic, cognitive behavioral, experiential, um, and, and all of these terms, they're, they're basically, you know, models of therapy that were, that were kind of discovered or, or built by people um, along the way. You know, Carl Rogers is a, a big hero of, of psychotherapy. And, um, you know, along the way, these brilliant minds created these models of therapy that have been very, very useful and um, I like to mix a lot of them up and use an, I call it an integrated approach. So I draw from a lot of different models. Um, mainly, I love cognitive behavioral. I think it's just really, it's just, it's just good. It makes sense. I feel like anyone can wrap their head around um, cognitive behavioral because it addresses our thoughts as well as our behaviors. And the basic premise is that um, they... <laughs> They work together. Our thoughts really facilitate um, our life. And like we were saying a little bit earlier, if I have a very negative cognition about myself, chances are I'm going to make behavioral decisions um, that reflect that low self-worth, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's poor relationships or you know, just bad lifestyle patterns and things like that. So, you know, it's just, it's just this very, very accessible model that allows for our our thought patterns to be held up to the light and to poke holes in them and to see how we can formulate those and reframe those that facilitates a healthier way of life. Um, And and then, you know, the behavioral um, contingency is there as well. You know, if 
if if if we have a healthy um, cognition, a healthy um, self-efficacy, chances are our behaviors are going to reflect that. So it's just a it's it's an easy approach. It's really across the board. I think it's helpful for most people that are um, seeking you know counseling and things like that. I also love experiential, and this is something that I've um, just really benefited from in my own life, going through um, some counseling and going through a workshop called OnSite, which I adore, and they um, they use a lot of experiential, a lot of kind of um, psychodrama, so, I mean, they get you, they get you reenacting things and role-playing, and um, it's just very hands-on. I, I feel like the disservice we do as, as therapists is stay in our heads mm-hmm. with our clients. And so I'm a big believer in mind, body, spirit. So whatever, however we can integrate those three is, is just really, really vitally important. And, and experiential is, is just a, a very broad kind of term that literally it's, it's therapy. It's tapping into more of our experience in therapy um, and, and examples of experiential can be empty chair or, you know, um, I do a lot of like songwriting or, or music, right, yeah. you know, stuff like that. So, so we're not, we might not even be directly addressing the issue, but we are, we are tapping into a different part of our being in order to facilitate an outcome. And it's powerful. I think it, it just really, you know, it's, it's just it's it's accessing a different posture in order to um, get a, a a result that we're after, and and a lot of times I think we just stay so stuck in our heads and in our cognitions that uh, that we're not able to fully experience kind of the spectrum of of healing. And so I love experiential, um, and I love on site, and um, those are two main ones. Um, let me, that I use. Let me yeah. throw out, because you, you made me think of something. You mentioned that you do the songwriting. Yes. And so I'd like to ask about that. But uh, one of the, the, the um, I guess it's experiential. I'm not the student, so um, I, I, I'm learning secondhand through my wife about a lot of this stuff. But one thing that I was introduced to that I was dismissive of initially until I had a chance to see my wife uh, try it out is uh, called Sandbox. Mm-hmm. Um, therapy and uh, is that would that be considered experiential yes very much so and so sandbox for people who are listening effectively there's a box of sand in front of you with little figures or models there and and um and you use it uh, as a visual or physical representation of maybe a, a situation or a scenario or a family um, of origin evaluation or something like that uh, hopefully i got that right but my wife used yeah. uh, the sandboxing to represent her relationships with her parents and her brother and, mm-hmm. you know, and where she fit in there. And it was something that she was never able to put into words. But then once she started to put the model together, it started to take shape. I think that so the experiential to me really resonates. Mm-hmm. And then you offer this songwriting therapy, which just yeah. seems to make sense to me being in Nashville. Can you explain what a songwriting therapy um, session might look like for you? Yeah, well, it's it's really interesting. I've always just been really interested and passionate about the marriage of therapy and song and songwriting, and and it's a little different than music therapy. Although I 
there's a lot of merit and value with just music therapy. It's, it's definitely another experiential mode, but it's, it's kind of something I've been playing around with this idea of songwriting therapy for a couple of years now. And I'm sure people have been doing it for a long time. So I take no credit and sure. <laughs> um, spearheading that one. But I think I've come to find a specific kind of formula within songwriting therapy that works with with my clients and the groups that I've done it with, but you know, really, you know, you can do it in a group, which is really, really cool. Um, write a collective story for a group of people. I did this at, um, at onsite once and, and it was just powerful. I had a, a group of 18, um, adults, very high functioning. And, um, they were at this, you know, intense workshop and, and came in there and had a list of questions and we just chunked out three verses and a chorus. And they, they got so into it. It's amazing to see grown, successful grown men and women kind of lose their pretense and just dive into the writing process. Yeah. It's, it's really fun. And it's, it's, it's also you know, it's, it's a learning experience as well because there's a lot of ego in the room. And we yes. have to tone down the ego because there's there's – there's there's kind of one mission in that room, and it's to come out with a song that re- really represents and speaks to um, the corporate story. So, so that's been fun. But in, in in individual therapy, it's it can be really powerful because it it's you know it's a a process that lasts you know anywhere from two to four weeks, and there's a lot of a lot of journaling, a lot of processing between sessions. You know, again, I'll give specific questions that I'll ask and encourage them to just um, ponder and grapple with a little bit and come back and, and we'll write this thing together and it ends up. What I love about it is you take, you take with you a tangible reminder of where you've been and where, you, where you're going. Yeah. And that to me is so powerful because I know for, for me, I fall into negative behavior and you know, thought pattern when I forget, when I essentially forget who I am. And I think that's, that's one of the things I love about, um, the sacrament of, you know, the, of the Eucharist in in church is it's just a tangible, regular reminder of God's love for us. And it's something that we take with us from week to week. And I love that idea. So a song can be kind of the same. It's, it's the sacred story and it's your story and there's no one else that has a story exactly like yours. And when you put it, you know, when you put it through a grid of, of melody and lyrics, it just, it's just powerful. I love that. My first thought on the songwriting was, well, she's a songwriter. So isn't that like a little, um, self, uh, fulfilling, right? When I was like thinking about yeah. you as leading that. And then I stopped and thought about, you know, how I, as a songwriter will take, and process periods of my life mm-hmm. and, and filter them through that song. And it's not unlike the sandbox idea that mm-hmm. you are creating a model in that song that represent, it's representative to a certain extent totally. of that period of time. And I can go back and I'll read a song that I wrote when I was 20 and I'll go, wow, that's how I was feeling. It's mm-hmm. not unlike a journal, but that, that process of putting those words to it, I, it just seems to me what that it would be an incredibly effective way to, to work with somebody 
and uh, something that, even if you didn't create it, it still seems innovative to me and certainly applicable to the, mm-hmm. to, to the community that you live in mm-hmm. and that you're serving. And I mean, as a songwriter, you know this too. There's something, it's just, it's, it's, there's something so special about creating something out of nothing. You know, it's just, nobody's ever done it just like that. And so it's really a gift on so many levels for someone. I mean, when I first started writing, I just remember how, how empowering and just rewarding it was to finish a song. Yeah. And a lot of times songs go unfinished, which is frustrating as I'll get out. But there's just something so special about finishing something. It's like your baby, you know, mm-hmm. it's you have ownership, total ownership. And so I love to share that experience with people who may not have any musical in- inclination whatsoever, you know, but just have a love, you know, a love for the narrative, a love, a love just a love for music. It's just, it's really fun. Yeah. I never even considered the uh, uh, corporate application of that, how you might mm-hmm. go into a group, not necessarily group therapy, but where you go into a group of professionals who, mm-hmm. it sounds, at least it's what I think I heard there, was that you might mm-hmm. go into a room where you're just working with a company or a team yeah. or something like that and say, okay, here's what we're going to do as a team yeah. building exercise. Yeah. You know, um, oh, it's you, hilarious. It can be really, it can be good fun. <laughs> you uh, know, it's, it's, it's not always this real heavy experience. It can really be quite, quite funny. <laughs> no, I think I would pay money to just see how that would uh, come, all come down. But let me, uh, let me ask you a couple other things. So how do you continue to like to keep your own creative pump primed? You know, right. you're a therapist, but, um, how are you, uh, you know, flexing those creative muscles yourself. Uh, I'm going to be brutally honest and say it has been it has been hard. I think anyone starting anyone starting essentially, I mean, kind of what I've been trying to do over the last three or four years, definitely um, the last three years, is is kind of build build a business, really build a business. You know, and yeah. and um, and offer just really quality care and, um, for people, um, in Nashville and there's, gosh, I've heard somebody say, I don't know if this is true. It might just be a joke, but there's, there's as many therapists as there are songwriters in Nashville. And I kind of, I kind of believe it. It's just, it's a thriving, um, wellness area. I mean, there's just a lot of emphasis on, um, emotional health and wellness, and that might be directly related to (laughs) the amount of, of, of music going on in this town, but, um, but it's, it's interesting. I have, you know, after I, I guess after my EP, um, my time as a writer with integrity, um, you know, I, I kind of switched gears and, and started streamlining in on my practice and, and really what I wanted to, um, you know, theoretically kind of with the experiential stuff and the songwriting stuff, what I wanted to offer. And so that's been a, just a really great season. It's been very difficult for me to, um, share my energy in, in a creative capacity. Um, and I'm getting that back this, this past year has been just really specific, um, with building, building or streamlining practice and growing practice, which has been, and then 
and finally, I'm kind of getting back into a place where I, you know, started writing for a new project and um, am just really, really opening myself up and carving out time regularly to get back into that creative um, vein because it, it so feeds me. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm sure your wife does too, especially. But just when I do not fill that creative tank up, my my work suffers and I even feel like my relationships suffer. It's such a it's such a big part of self care for me, um, just to really, really sit with um, just the the beauty of writing and that process and to struggle in that and to just spend time with that. And it's it because there's not um, a tangible um, payoff, you know, unless you like write a hit song in like 45 minutes, which I don't know who does that. I'm sure they're all over Nashville, but not me. Um, you know, unless you just have this awesome creative overflow session, it's most of the time when you sit down to be creative, it's just kind of like chipping, chipping away, you know, it's, it's tiny progress, it's baby steps. And, and that, you know, that can get put on the back burner, especially if you have a very, you know, you, I can, I can network with people and and meet with doctors and meet with other therapists and, you know, do these things that have a more of a tangible payoff. You know what I mean? It's just, it's kind of one of those things that you really, I have to fight for it. And, but it's, you know, one of my favorite books out there is, um, the, the war of art by Stephen Pressfield. It's just a classic and his, you know, his, his mantra about just showing up and working through resistance in order to um, just continue the creative process and, 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 and continue that, um, you know, and, and it's a big, it really unpacks the word passion for me, which we all have this kind of dreamy idea of what our passions are, but there's a lot of struggle involved in passion. And for me, writing has never just come super easily. You know, it's, I have to just sit with it and tease it out a lot. And so it's, it's, it's a discipline, you know, it's a, the creative discipline is extremely important to me and, and I'm allowing myself to kind of go back into that as I've been really focused on building a practice over the last several years. So I'm, ex- I'm really excited for this new season. I think it's important for people to hear, you know, when we're talking about self-care, first of all, we're not, it's not selfishness. I think it's right. important for people to, to realize that. I have just learned in the past few months not to use the word selfish when I mean self-care. Mm-hmm because it either marginalizes or disparages something that's very important. Yeah. And that self-care isn't just about going to see a therapist. So, you know, seeing a counselor can be a very important component of that. Mm-hmm. It's making self-care, you know, time for yourself, time to refresh a priority. Mm-hmm. And we don't yeah. do that very well. Especially twos. Yeah, yeah. As helpers, we have a tendency to farm ourselves out to people. Right. Um, and you gain so much worth and significance in that. Yeah, it's true. But this could be a therapy session all by itself. Uh, But I I want to encourage folks, you know, as you're listening, you know, even if you're not a professional artist, you're listening to this, I imagine, because you are a creative in some aspect of your life. Find a way to carve out time to be creative and make sure that the significant people in your life understand that that's a priority to you and that you can be healthier in your relationship with them by doing that. It's really hard to ask for that. But you need to do it. I mean, you need to ask for it, and then you need to actually exercise it. 
Because if you don't, you will get unhealthy and you will suffer for that. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got was from a friend of mine who worked for the state of Oregon in a completely boring capacity. But when I asked him what he did for a living, he said, I'm a painter. My day job is working here at the state, but I'm a painter. Yeah. Right? And so he made sure that he identified himself with his, exp- uh, his expression as a creative and understood that he's, there's a means to that end, which is his day job. You know? Right. There's huge. And that is the biggest dupe I think we fall into and believe is that self-care is A, selfish, and B, optional. I don't think right. self-care is either. Right. You know, and any work is stressful. You know, so... It's just, I mean, I think, I think Jesus really set the stage when, you know, just the whole creation story on the seventh day he rested. I mean, that's just, there's no, I don't know that he felt bad about it. Well, no. (laughs) You know, so it's just, it's one of those things that I just feel, I feel very strongly about. And And I also, on the same token, I, I'm saddened by the fact that I think a lot of high functioning people identify you know, it's like when you, when you say, oh, how, how, you know, meet, see somebody at a coffee shop, what, what you been up to? How are you doing? God, I'm just so busy and just so, so busy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we, we find some sort of worth in being exhausted all the time. You know, it's like yes. this virtue. Really? Is that, is that, I don't know. Is that virtuous? I think, I think it's, um, I think we live in a very stressed out culture and the constant busyness there's again some sort of we find virtue we, we put it up on a pedestal and I just I really want to help people understand that 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 just long term is not gonna you can't sustain that it's actually not it's not it's just not good for us on any level so going you know doing whatever you need to do you know whether it's thirty minutes early in the morning or even just one afternoon a week you know just to do just to connect it's really connecting with yourself it's yeah. really deepening that relationship with yourself. Um, and, and that's one thing that I really harp on is relationship with self. It's very, very important because, you know, we, we very, we very much, um, focus on our relationships with others and, and uphold those relationships. And then we fail to realize that we, we have a, a, a relation, a relationship with self that is at, really is the, the base and, the building block of all of our relationships. And so if we're not connecting with ourselves, you know, it, chances are our relationships with others will suffer. Not to get too much into Siegel, but I've been, because yeah. I've been reading my mm-hmm. side, the idea if I don't have my own me map established that I can't have a we map or right. a you map. I, I mean, I, I yeah. you know, so I, I'm, my wife is listening, which she's not, but if she is, <laughs> see, I'm actually paying attention to the books you give me, honey. Um, oh, isn't that sweet? Well, I, I try. You know, I'm trying to be a good husband. That's great. It's, it's a lot of work. People, yeah. if we could have a whole, we could have a whole other conversation about how to, how to be um, a good partner um, as an artist, Very creative. True. You know, yes, <laughs> living with people who probably have structure where we don't, and how to right. how to function well and communicate yeah. well within that. But that's a good point, though. I really believe that artists and creatives they need ritual and structure more than anybody. Yes. Yeah. Because it, it build it, it builds an infrastructure for which to be creative out of. And so, and there's a lot of safety for that in yeah. that. 
So I, I really firmly believe that we could probably all learn from your wife <laughs> yeah. and take on a lot more structure and, and a lot more ritual because it's, it's just a great way to set up, you know, just the creative life. That's excellent. And uh, I think we should have a conversation again. We need to put, yeah, bookmark that one. Yeah. We're, we've been on, we've been talking for over an hour. Oh, and, nice. And, uh, which is beautiful. Uh, editing will be a nightmare and it's, that's, that, <laughs> that's always a good sign. Um, it's just a good sign that that's your job and not my job. And this is where the, the number two unhealthy helper comes in. Oh, I got to edit the martyr, the martyr kicks in. <laughs> but what it tells me though, is there's a lot of things that we could talk about. And if you're up for it at some point coming yeah. back on and, and maybe addressing totally. some other topics, love having people contribute in ways outside of just, Hey, we're talking to another songwriter and I love talking to, to artists. But yes. it's also good to think about more rounded stuff. So if you're up for that, we'd love to. Have Absolutely. That would be an honor. Yeah. It'll take us six weeks to schedule again, but we'll figure it out. Oh, um, yeah. We'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> take it easy. Okay. You too. Ow. Ouch. I was I, I got a dog clicker that I was trying to do the click with, but I did it backwards and it jammed my finger and my thumb and stuck it, got it stuck in, stuck in the thing. You better keep this in the episode, oh, man. man. <laughs> All right, we are coming back um, from Joe just hurting himself. Oh man! Um, All right, <laughs> just from trying to to create a waypoint in our interview here. Yeah. Um, anyways, we're back. Uh, great interview with Katie Gustafson. Thank you, Joe, for sharing that. And uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I think it's great um, to uh, a a much needed topic as well, dealing with self-care and dealing with um, people's lives and and how things impact their lives. Um, And, uh, you know, we've we're coming into a new year. Um, This is going to be a dark time. Um, So there's a lot of people that are listening that that have many struggles. Um, and again, we're not just here to be an outlet for, for information. We're, we're here to support and, and love and care for people. So that's why we do what we do. So feel yeah. free to contact us. If you have any questions at all, uh, we have people, we're not qualified to take care of everything, but we have people and we know people who are. And if you ever have any questions or concerns about uh, Christianity as a whole, or even just how to live the Christian life or even what that looks like. Yeah. Um, we all struggle. Give us a shout, email us. Um, you know, it's Joe or Dan at frequency.fm. Um, and we'd love to help you go to our website and, um, we appreciate you listening to the podcast. We love getting feedback from you. Uh, leave us a review. We're not looking for perfection here. It doesn't have to be a five-star review, but we won't be opposed to it. Right. But we do appreciate feedback um, because it actually helps keep the podcast up and listing so that people can see it. And that's really our motivation is to be a voice and be out there so people can hear us. Uh, and for those that don't know, we are set up as a charity in the United States. So uh, we do this because we love it and we give to it and um, we don't make profit on it. If you do want to support us, give us a shout and let us know. Uh, We'd love to have your support so that we can encourage artists and uh, get better art into uh, the artist community. Yeah, if it's fair, I'd like to do a quick shout out to a couple of um, folks who have um, contributed over the past year commercial lending services 
uh, here in Portland, Oregon, and uh, Accent Business Services, who actually is my employer, uh, also um, have contributed this year. And then uh, uh, DK Designs, which is actually a uh, a local uh, mechanic uh, shop or auto body shop. Uh, and then uh, some other folks who've contributed time and effort. In addition, uh, Andrew Marcus, who helped us while we were up uh, at the, in Seattle for CMS Northwest. Dennis Corwin, mm-hmm. who donated his time to help keep those things running for us. And, you know, it's not just an investment of time, but it costs money to drive up and get a hotel room. And and mm-hmm. um, we really appreciate that. I just, so just a shout out that they're not sponsors, they're contributors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, we look forward to having other people who may be interested in helping, whether it's, um, you know, if you're a college student, you need to write and you're looking to do reviews. We're open to having people come yeah. in and, and join us as contributors. So if you like to write blog posts, uh, perspectives, things like that, we can't guarantee we're going to publish it, uh, but we can guarantee we'll look at it and let you know um, because it's, it's not about what we know. I mean, we're, we're just trying to be um, sort of a, a conduit or a vessel to get good art out there and to talk about good art. Yeah. So you know, if you're a writer or if you uh, want to be involved in what we're doing in any way, let us know. We'd love for you to be a part of it. And uh, as we close, because I know Joe's got to go rake some leaves Woo-hoo! and get ready for a, for a gathering. Yeah. Um, we we thank you for listening. And if you want to contact us, go to our website, uh, which is www.frequency.fm. And uh, you can find us on many different podcast networks, uh, soon to be on Google Music as well. Yes. And uh, we're already on TuneIn. Uh, we're we're um, pretty much on any audio website you can find out there. And um, we appreciate you supporting us and listening. Amen. We'll talk All to right. you guys next time, which is probably March. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, happy New Year to everyone. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. God bless.